Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. We may be friendly, but really it's surface and we could care less about the other people. When somebody says we need help, we need ministry, we need more ushers, we need more kids or whatever, that's always somebody else. It can't be me. We certainly wouldn't waste our time taking notes. We don't even bring a Bible. We're not open. We're just simply doing time. And let me ask you, then why are you here? It is a waste of time to come to church to do time. Church is not a place to do time. Church is a place to experience God. When the day comes that Christians living in America are persecuted for their faith, we'll have God on our side. The early Christians knew that as they faced ridicule, abuse, and even death. As we'll see today in John, we can be encouraged through the Word, even in times of difficulty. John writes to the churches in order to encourage them, just as we can take comfort in knowing there are others willing to stand for Jesus. If Christ followers stand together in unity, their voice will loudly proclaim the truth and shine the light of the gospel to the lost, even in the face of persecution. We have the responsibility to stand for the one true God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 13 for part one of our message entitled, A Brand New View. In Toronto, who had liberal tendencies, one day explained to her class that she was an atheist. She then asked her class if they were atheists also. Not knowing what atheism really meant, most of the kids wanting to please their teacher immediately, their hands exploded into the air. There was, however, one exception. A beautiful young girl named Lucy had not gone along with the crowd. The teacher asked her why she decided to be different. She said, well, because I'm not an atheist. Then asked the teacher, well, what are you? And Lucy said, well, I'm a Christian. The teacher was mad now, her face a little red. She said to Lucy, well, why are you a Christian? And she said, well, my mom's a Christian. My dad's a Christian, so I'm a Christian. The teacher is even more angry. She said, that's no reason at all. What if your mom was a moron and your dad was a moron? What would you be then? Lucy paused for a moment. She said, I'd be an atheist. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Well, there's no way to read our passage of Scripture tonight. There's absolutely no no way to read our passage of Scripture tonight and be an atheist. And maybe you've stepped in here, we're not making fun of you at all, but I'm telling you tonight, the light will come on if you just listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to be traveling faster than the speed of light tonight. Not not my teaching, you know better than that. (laughs) Hey, come on now. Don't anybody say right on either, come on. But we're going to go into the future. In fact, this whole series really 
titled Back to the Future. We're going to begin traveling tonight, John is, in God's time machine. It's going to be an interesting travel as we start. Let's begin in verse 9. John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Who is this John? As we're going to go through Revelation, I think it's good just to take a snapshot this evening of who John is to remind ourselves. He was an apostle. His brother was James. They were the sons of Zebedee. John was a fisherman in the lake of Sea of Galilee. And one day Jesus came by and he responded to that call to become a fisher of men. John was one of the original 12 disciples. Actually, he was part of that innermost circle. In fact, we know him in the Bible as the one that Jesus loved. There was that relationship of that closeness of the 12 and then three and then the one. This is John. John was an eyewitness to the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, plus all of his ministry while he was here on earth. John was present at Pentecost and was used to establish the early church. John was useful in those early years in the early church as an evangelist and labored for many years in Ephesus. We'll see tonight that he is really the overseer of the seven churches at Asia Minor who are under his pastoral care. Now notice in verse 9 it says that he's on the island of Patmos. How did John get to the island of Patmos? Well, history tells us that the Christians at this time, by the way, as we write to these seven churches, as John, as Jesus writes to them, they are suffering churches. They are going through great persecution. John was a part of that. Tradition tells us that during that time, the Roman leaders took John and put him, now this is tradition, but it's backed by many, many individuals, put him in a huge pot of hot oil and were going to burn him as an example of what would happen to Christians. The problem was, John would not boil. You can picture John, I mean, can you imagine getting ready to get into that hot oil? Instant death normally. John gets in, the people are waiting. John sits back, you know, he's 90, a little arthritic. Hey, he feels good in here, man. This is pretty good. Got any fries and chicken? Come right here, a little basket and have a little party. I mean, this blew the people away. Now, the society that you're in, these Romans, as you remember, are very superstitious. And you say to me, well, come on, that, that could never happen to, to John. How, how could that, how could anything like that happen to anybody? Well, when we went through the book of Daniel, we didn't study anything like that, did we? The three Hebrew children came out of the fire, what? Not even the smell of smoke. Well, sure God could have done that. So these Romans who are definitely into superstition, they have many gods. Well, what do you think now John's going to be? It's going to be another god. I mean, who couldn't be a god that doesn't burn in oil? Now the problem is they also knew this was dangerous because John 
they knew wouldn't just be another God. In fact, John wouldn't be a God at all, but he always pointed to the one true God. So being afraid of what could happen, they banished John to an island called Patmos. Those of you that have watched television or have been to San Francisco, I remember being there and seeing this. This Patmos was kind of like a Roman Alcatraz without walls. Most of the prisoners there had been forced to go there. They marbled these quarries. It was rocky and desolate. It's about 10 miles long and 6 miles wide. That's where John is. Now they, it's interesting because I heard one commenter talk about this. They, they took John and they put him in this island. And basically they said this. This is the, this is the last word we'll ever hear from John. I like that. God had a different idea. God always has the last word. So what does John write? He writes the last word. And we tonight are still what? Hearing from John. Now tradition tells us that he did not die on the island of Patmos. But when a new governor came in, he was released and freed. He went back to Ephesus. Most people believe he died somewhere about A.D. 98. We'll speak about John numbers of times as we go through. He wrote a gospel, he wrote epistles, and he wrote Revelation. I don't have a lot of notes tonight, but I have some. And it's important that you remember John wrote his gospel, remember? The gospel of John that we might believe. He wrote his epistles that you and I might be sure that we have salvation. You don't have to doubt your salvation. You can be sure that's found in the Epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And lastly, he writes the revelation that we might be ready, ready to go. Now notice in verse 9, it says, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours. John is in probably between 88 and 92, somewhere in that area. He's an older gentleman. He's alone as far as Christians go, as far as we know. He's writing to... Suffering Christians. That's the purpose of this letter, to encourage us. So they might be encouraged to go on. Notice in verse 9, you see a threefold link. And I think you need to put those together as we talked about. There's suffering, there's the kingdom, and there's endurance. Now you can look at that a lot of ways, but 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So John is saying, I'm a brother and companion of those who are suffering. One of the great things that I think is happening in this church and other churches is I think we're grasping, we're getting a little vision of what the early church was like. You see guys, there very well may come a day when we will begin to suffer here in this country as we stand for Jesus Christ. Now, I want God to be with me, but you know what also helps? You and me. To have friends, to have other people. And so many times we just isolate ourselves. And what you're doing, absolutely it's important. And notice John says, I'm a brother and I'm a companion with you. When you suffer, it's great to have people encouraging you, giving you a boost. That's what John's talking about. Don't throw your towel in. Don't use your towel of life as a crying towel. Use it as a towel 
of joy and happiness. Remember, we said this morning, the key to a successful journey in life is how we face our trials. We want to face them together. We want to face them in unison. We want to face them in Jesus, and we want to face them in joy. Now, look at that verse. Why was John suffering? It's very easy why he was suffering. He was suffering for one reason, for teaching the Word of God and sharing the good news about Jesus. That's why he was suffering. You see, if he'd have been quiet, it'd have been fine. But John knew, and John believed in the gospel. John was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew the risks. He knew the, the rewards. Lost people mattered to John. He knew the great commandment. He had been there when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He knew. He had heard Jesus say that to him. Let me ask you tonight. Are you as excited about sharing the gospel as you are about the book of Revelation? If you're not, you're studying the book of Revelation for the wrong reason. Because the book of Revelation is an unveiling of Jesus. The most important thing to Jesus tonight is that we share the gospel so as many people can come into the kingdom before the rapture comes. That's the goal. We have that privilege. We have the responsibility. Let's be bold. Make sure that you are going to be like John. Now, we don't notice a kind of a fatalistic attitude from John. He is alone. He's not with really human companionship at this place, but he knows God is still with him. God is always with us. Maybe tonight you feel like you have your own island of Patmos. You're struggling. Satan tells you that God isn't here. And you feel just like John. You're alone, except you don't seem to see any brothers or companions. Well, first of all, if you're hurting tonight, we'll pray with you. You have friends here. But more than that, the book of Psalms 46.1 says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. You're not alone on the island. God's with you. Don't listen to the lies of Satan. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, in verse 10, we have an interesting verse because there's a couple of different possibilities here, and we'll go through them tonight. I'll try to present many times different options because some of these things we don't know for sure, and there's scholars that, I'm certainly not a scholar, and they have different opinions of what takes place. But look on verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a cell phone and a beeper go off. Hmm. No, that's not true. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now, there's two possibilities. The first possibility, and it's pretty evenly divided in the, t in the different passages that I studied, the Lord's Day could refer to the first day of the week. The early church worshipped on Sunday. You know that. Sunday was the day of Jesus' resurrection. So the early church that used to worship on the Sabbath moved their worship to Sunday. That's basically why we worship. But we have a Saturday night service too. Doesn't matter. Now, notice, if this is what he's talking about, it'd be interesting to me that he even know it was Sunday. I don't know if he had a calendar, he had his Palm Pilot, whatever. He knew it was Sunday, but he was worshiping on the Lord's Day. Now, notice how he was worshiping on the Lord's Day. In what? In the Spirit. Now, what this means is that John was supernaturally transported out of the material world. He's not like sleeping in church like some of us do on Sunday. I won't name names. But he is enjoying 
what God is doing in his life. He was ready, submissive to receive from God. Now, if you're not in the spirit, what are you in? You know it, the flesh. You can write by that. Romans 8, 5, and 9 gives you a great definition of what the flesh is, the ongoing battle between our flesh and our spirit. When we're in the flesh, the flesh rules. When we're in the spirit, God rules. How do we approach the Lord's Day? How do you approach the Lord's Day when you come here? Or wherever you go to your church, whatever church you go to, how do you approach it? Do you approach it in the spirit or in the flesh? No doubt, and you've been like this, some of us have definitely driven in the parking lot in the flesh. The kids have just what? And the wife and husband have just what? But then we're immediately in the spirit when we see somebody. Right. Why are you going like that? We've all been there. Now, if you are in the spirit when you come in, what does that mean? Well, to me it means this. Careful now. We're on time. We're, we're ready to worship. We're expecting God to speak to us. Now here's one of the things that will make these nights special to you. If you come expecting God to speak to you. Now if you're here going, Mark's going to speak to us. You're here for the wrong reason. I'm here because I'm studying all week for God to speak through me to you. It's not me speaking, it's God. Be expecting God. We also should be taking notes, being friendly, ready to serve, totally open to what God has to say. If you're in the Spirit, as you're here tonight, anytime you go to wherever your church is, you should be there ready, open for God to minister to us. Now, if you go to church in the flesh, here's what happens. You go out of obligation. We go with this attitude, it better be good or I'm not going to come back. We may sing, but there is no true worship. We may be friendly, But really, it's surface, and we could care less about the other people. When somebody says we need help, we need ministry, we need more ushers, we need more kids or whatever, that's always somebody else. It can't be me. We certainly wouldn't waste our time taking notes. We don't even bring a Bible. We're not open. We're just simply doing time. And let me ask you, then why are you here? It is a waste of time to come to church to do time. Church is not a place to do time. Church is a place to experience God. And you guys are doing it. Now, remember that the Lord's Day is every day. So that means that's the way I'd approach every day. And some of us need to remember we have to do that with a quiet time. When you start in the morning, if you start out without hearing from God at all, your day will not be very good. How do I know? I can tell you. Personally, you can ditto it all through this place. Now, what is the other possibility? It could be the Lord's Day or Sunday for us, or it could be this. It comes from a translation that reads like this, and the Greek can be read like this. Unto the day of the Lord, I started out on Sunday, but I went unto the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord will read many times in the book of Revelation. Many people believe this is what is really happening, that John was put in this supernatural time machine that I was telling you, translated to the end of time, to the day of the Lord, and all along the way in this time machine, he's seen all of these things, the rapture and the tribulation and all these kind of things happening as he's moving in this unbelievable time machine. He was in the spirit and seen this. Many people believe that's really what took place, and it was a series of visions that John took place. Now, put yourself in John's shoes tonight. We're getting ready to to listen. Behind you, he hears a voice. 
And this is in the spirit. And God is going to speak to him. Remember, he's in the 90s. And God is still going to use John. Does that give anybody encouragement tonight? Does me. Anybody 90 here? 85, 80, 70. There we are, sure. Isn't it awesome to know that we can be 90 and still be used incredibly by God? Here we are, how many years later? 1,900 years later and reading something that John wrote in his 90s. I like it. You guys thought you were going to get rid of me. <laughs> Balmer minutes just go on and on and on. John's here. John's here. What does that mean? It means this. As I was studying it, I just want to say this to you from God tonight. God will keep us and God will use us all the days of our life. God will keep us and God will use us all the days of our life. So what does that mean? Be active for God right now. Everywhere, every day, every place. Be active now. Here's John, more than a conqueror, boiled in oil, nice skin. Banished to a remote island, no problem. Open to the things of God in the Spirit, and God speaks to him. Let's be filled with the Spirit every day, supernaturally receiving God's Word to our hearts. And I heard a voice behind, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. What that really means is clear and striking as a trumpet. In other words, da 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 get ready. You're about to hear something awesome. Verse 11. Which said, write in a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamon and Thyatira and Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. So John is told to get ready. He gets his computer out, begins typing. John is going to get this great vision from God. And he begins by writing this letter, and then he's going to send it to the seven churches. We'll begin that study next week, those seven churches. I'm not sure how many churches we'll take every week. One or two, one or two, whatever, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> now notice, could God have given this vision and this, this message from an angel directly to those churches? Yes, but he doesn't. He does what? He uses John as a human. As we study the churches, you'll hear some people say to you, well, I don't need to go to church. Well, I believe you do need to go to church because that's what God established. Well, I can worship God just as good as home. I don't believe you can. And I believe when there is a church available, you need to be in a church. You say, well, why do you believe that? Just write down Ephesians chapter 4. You won't go there tonight. I'll read it to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Here's what God said. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastor teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we re all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what God is doing with John, he's using a human to present the word of God to those seven churches. What is God doing tonight through myself and many other pastors in this town that are teaching the Word of God? He's using humans, flesh and blood, to what? Teach His powerful Word of God. For what reason? To mature you. In today's teaching, we saw that John wrote his gospel that we might believe, the epistles so we might be sure, and Revelation so we might be ready. At the start of Revelation, John is speaking to those who are being persecuted. 
We know as believers that everyone who wants to live a righteous life will be persecuted. What matters is how we deal with that persecution, and we know we are not alone. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark asks us to consider how we come into the Lord's Day, whether it's with a calm spirit and a seeking heart, or because of some sense of obligation or self-satisfaction. John will be instructed to write what he's about to hear and send it out to many churches. This will speak to the importance of seeking out instruction from godly teachers and looking to mature in Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.